0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Next Generation Saints. I'm your host, Nick Kunz. So I was cruising around YouTube the other day and came across an interesting debate at a college campus. The debate was premised around a morality, about morality, and interesting enough, it's something I've really studied about. In college campuses, apparently they're teaching more and more about a thing called subjective morality. Now, I've talked about this quite a bit. I really have. If you listen to my earlier podcast, you know that I've talked to Cliff Connectly and Stuart Connectly in New Canaan, Connecticut, out there. I've talked about subjective moralities and whatnot. So I was listening to this whole thing and it's a very big issue talking about morality. It really is. It's a massive issue. Because people and especially nowadays with so much junk going on in our world about um, you know people having rights and Um, injustices taking place in our society when they start, when people start crying out for saying there is, um, like, um, like racism, like the last episode, I made. they talk about racism. They talk about income inequality, they talk about inequality in general. They talk about all these things. And really what they're pointing out is a moral outrage over these issues. Now I can agree that a lot of these things are, can be very morally bad. They're not good. Racism, definitely not good. Uh, sexism, very bad. Um, inequalities towards workplaces, I agree. I think it's a horrible atrocity. And that that it should be stopped completely and utterly. I, I can't agree more. But then I started breaking it down a little bit more. I said, okay, we got to sit here and start screaming about moral outrage and, and whatnot. We can start screaming about how our, our morality is. Or let's just break it down to what it actually is. Let's break down this whole issue down. Like I said, let's get down to the fundamentals. I'm looking at it going, if you... I, I appreciate, first and foremost, people who are so adamant about having a moral structured system. That we need to have a system in place that says that right is right, wrong is wrong, and we don't deviate. But, on the other hand, I also know this can end up really sticky real quick. Well, especially if you're doing an intellectual argument. What do I mean? Well, as I pointed out with Cliff Connectly and Stuart Connectly in one of the episodes I did here in Next Generation Saints, the episode was titled, If God does not exist, then everything is permissible. <clears throat> so, I'm going to hit back on this old topic with you. But I believe it's very important to cover this. If God does not exist, everything is permissible. We talk a lot about this argument. Now, I've had a lot of atheists and very, very liberal friends who are not very strong believers in God. Would love to stand up and say we do. You know, there is moral outrage. There is, you know, we we do believe in right and wrong because society says so. And I remember talking to my old friend Stephen Back at Fullerton College And we were having this dialogue And When he really broke it down he said And again these arguments are Pretty weak in my opinion He states again Morality is Premised around society Right we vote for what's Right and what's wrong And to a large extent I agree with that We agree I agree that when we have ballots come out, right? When you go to the ballot box in America, um, because I live in Phoenix, Arizona, when you go to the ballot box, you cast a ballot, um, a vote for a politician that you believe could be good or bad. We just had a presidential election, period of time, and people went in and cast their votes. They either went for one candidate or the other candidate, right? It was either Joe Biden or Donald Trump. And people would say things like, not morally good good or not mor- or are morally good or not mo- morally good or whatever it is. But more to the point. I said, let's take a little history lesson. Let's walk down memory lane of history. If we look at not-too-distant history, to be quite honest with you, let's say the 1970s, around the 60s to 70s, if you look over down south in the southern states, you had a thing called Segregation. Segregation was the belief that black people were inferior to white people. Just to lump sum it into one real easy quick conclusion. Or just people who were not white were not welcome. Right? So, what happened? Society down in the south, with the Jim Crow laws and segregation in place, they had certain people who went against the status quo. Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Yeah, you know, I know you've all heard of him. I know we all know, I have a dream, speech, and how he did amazing work. He has a memorial in D.C. For, with him on it, as a, uh, um, along with Rosa Parks. A great memorial to them, to the, to the men, men and women who did this, those two individuals, about what they did. But if society determines right and wrong, then why did Martin Luther King... And Rosa Parks say this was wrong why if morality is determined by our society and they vote that segregation or slavery is perfectly acceptable the Jim Crow laws and the Ku Klux Klan ran around and lynched people why and that you know certain political parties like Democrats were behind those people why were the Democrats wrong for creating the Ku Klux Klan or creating the Jim Crow laws or about segregation in general why was that okay now, nowadays we look at it and we go, Well that was obviously completely evil. You know, we would look at it and go, How morally outraged we are. We look about oh my gosh, how could anyone support that? We look a little bit further back <coughs> and the neo Nazis the Nazis murdered millions of Jews. The leftist fascist Mussolini murdered millions in the name of fascism. The communists left Joseph Stalin killed Vladimir Lenin to gain absolute power and then killed anyone who didn't agree or I should say murder because there's a difference between killing and murder. Kim Jong-un came into power to his own family to stay in power. Pope Howe over in China starved half the population so the other half could be eat their fair share or eat their fill. I look at this and go good lord people we, we want to act like if morality is simply based upon what the masses say, then the the 20th century alone, when we look at it from our, our perspective, is perfectly fine. We may have strong disagreements about what they did, but they were, according to the rule of societal and and democracy or democratic r- voting, that was that was the rule of law. <laughs> you had one party or one group of people who ultimately determined the morality for everyone else. And if it's subjective, they were perfectly right for doing what they did. That's if morality is a subjective worldview that is simply based upon, you know, whoever's in power at the moment, who's ever voting it in, whoever has the most guns up their sleeve, right? However, if we look at this from a different perspective, where do we get our morality Our morality does not come from government. It doesn't come from the masses. If you're a Christian and you're listening to this, or you're not a Christian and you're listening to this, our morality comes from God. Elohim. From Yahweh. Jesus Christ. What do I mean by that? Does that mean it's arbitrary that whatever God says is suddenly moral? No, it's it's not that. It's not that God wakes up one day and goes, I decided that this is moral. And he says it. Our morality is premised on God's character, his attributes, right? Just like a great leader. A great leader will lead by example. By his characteristics, we can determine whether a good general or whatnot. The way we know that what is good and what is evil is based upon God's character the most terrifying thing to me is when someone wants to argue the subjectivity of morality and I go, if that's the case, then Adolf Hitler murdering millions of Jews wasn't exactly wrong. It was just you know, Adolf Hitler's opinion. Adolf Hitler figured and a Nazi party figured and a lot of Germany figured, well, you know, Jews aren't worth very much, Catholics aren't very much. And- we just kill off the mentally and the physically uh, disabled. They're just a drag in our society. We don't have enough resources. We have to make the Aryan race as great as we can. And these people are just a drag. You know, we just, we have to, you know, we have to survive somehow in this finite little planet of ours. I know a lot of people are going to be like, that is horrible. How could you say that? But that is subjective morality. That is based on, oh, I even say evolutionary. Evolutionary survival. I love, I, I remember hearing, oh, when I talked to Stephen about this, and several of my friends back and forth in college, and they even used that argument of evolution. We evolved, right? The biggest argument on society was we evolved as a society. And I had an honest to God moment looking at them going, I have no clue what your premise is. Now you're going to go for either A, that we evolved more morally, or B, we just evolved technologically. Now, I can point out that B (coughs) is absolutely true, 100%. Did we evolve, did our technology evolve for better medications? Absolutely. Did we evolve technologically, like with iPhones and iPads and smart cars? Yeah, absolutely. Is our technology continuously evolving? Yeah, absolutely. However, is the human heart evolving? No. Here's the reason. When you read your Bible, the Bible goes about, I think, about mm, almost 100,000 years, give or take, right? And I know there's a lot of behind that, but so I'm not 100% certain, but it goes about 100,000 years or so more back, right? So, when I read the Bible, I come across characters, ancient characters, people who lived in the ancient world, and I can relate to them. Know why? Because they went through the same stuff we have as humans. We, they went through strife. They went through wars. They went through happiness and sadness through love and passion. They went through every single thing we went through. The only difference is they, we had different technology than they did. They rode chariots. We drove cars. They had spears. We have guns. You know, it's, it's as simple as that. The technology changed, but the, it's no different than what we went through. So when I look at someone and then they say, well, we've evolved as a, as a species, I'd say, well, it's really subjective at that point. Do you mean A or B? So I look and I say, OK, if we're going to look at morality, we can't look at our societal issues because our society has made some great things happen and really horrific things happen. Again, the 20th century, the most bloody century in human history. And it was because our different societies determined the value of a human being. Nowadays, and I'm just going to touch on this, abortion. We as society have determined in our, con- in our government that human life can be extinguished in the womb. We have dehumanized babies in the womb. Every single person listening to this podcast, you who are listening to this, or anyone else who's listening to this. You were once what we call a fetus. Latin for little child. In your mama's womb. You weren't born in a created Created a test tube. You were created by a man and woman. Getting together. Having intercourse. Egg was fertilized. Attached to the uterus wall. And that's what happened. You came out nine months later. That's what happened nowadays our society does the same thing that that the nazi society or that the fascist mussolini society or the communist society of the soviet union or the pope did, or any of these left-wing i guess politics i'd like to say atheist ideologies i think i'll just stick with the atheism and leave the politics out these atheist ideologies that we get to determine life and death who gets to live who gets to die subjectiveness I think it's honestly when i see this i go how we evolved as a society we pick and choose almost arbitrarily what we want to have value and not to have value we do that quite often we determine who's worth getting punched in the face and who's worth having a helping hand again we get to decide a baby's fate in the womb And then when we decide that the baby doesn't need to exist, we find some rational way of saying, well, it was never a baby to begin with. We remove its humanity, which is exactly what the Nazis did to the Jews. They're not human beings. They're dogs. They're less than animals. We can exterminate them. If this is uncomfortable, I hope it is. Because it's a truth that must be spoken out loud. If society determines it, it's terrifying. Now, the only way that there can be an objective, moral, principle-based system is if there is some mind prior to the human mind that determines right and wrong. This is a Christian point of view. This is a biblical point of view. In fact, it originates from the Jews. All the way to the Judeo-Christian principles, the Ten Commandments is the defining factor in objective morality. Now, before we dive into objectiveness, I know that some people are going to try to twist what I'm saying and say, "Well, he, objectiveness doesn't mean what he's saying." Here's what I mean by objectiveness. I'm not going to use a moral um, point of view here. I'm just going to use a. I actually come my uh, <coughs> my own mother is a mathematician she's fantastic at doing math I mean you can't have that one not put down a book that has math in it she loves to play with dice she wrote several books on math if you ever have a chance to look on Amazon for math books you'll probably run into her stuff it's pretty awesome personally for me math gives me a bit of a headache but I digress if I were to open up a math book with you and we went back to the very the second uh, first grade and the math book read 2 plus 2 equals 4 What are they saying? They're saying that 2 plus 2 does not equal 3, and it does not equal 5, it equals 4. But what if I don't agree with it? It doesn't matter if you don't agree with it. It doesn't matter what your opinion is. It doesn't matter if you believe in the fluffy bunny in the closet. It don't matter. This is called objective facts. They do not change because of how you feel that day. They don't change based upon how you grew up. They are not changed by, based on your political ideologies or your spiritual ideologies or whatever kind of ideologies or whatever you want to follow. They are called objective truths. Everything else is just your subjective opinion. So you have a thing called 2 plus 2 equals 4. That's about as clean as, that's about as easy as it gets. So switching back to the morality part. When we talk about morality, such as rape, murder, Loving someone, caring for somebody—if it's subjective opinion and it's based on society—then if you sat in the court of law, you could look at someone who raped a woman and go, "Well, according to the rapist, he did just fine. He was having a great time. He—he uh, he was getting his—you uh, know—he was orgasming and causing those muscles to go off and making his nerve endings feel lots of pleasure." and he was really enjoying himself endorphins were flowing through his brain he felt great the woman is petrified and has ptsd and disagrees and is terrified of having another relationship with the man but neither is wrong for what happened and i know when you hear this you're going to be like so morally outraged to hear it but from an intellectual point of view you got to step away from your emotions and look at it intellectually the rapist and the rape and the rapist and the victim are not wrong, they're not right, it just is. The woman's terrified, thought it was a horrible thing, the rapist thought it was a great thing, got the endorphin supply into his brain, oh yeah, sweet awesome, they're both correct. It just is. That's why in a Judeo-Christian principle is so direly important in this situation, because now it doesn't depend on whether the rapist thought he was doing good or the, or the victim thought it was really bad. Now there's a direct line to a mind prior to the human mind, God's character that has now determined that that rapist, what he did by defiling a woman or a man who was created in the image of of God and has intrinsic value and innate worth, which means you have value that goes beyond what is here on earth. Regardless of how anyone else feels about you, you have value because God has created you. Your value is like two plus two equals four. It don't matter how somebody feels about that, that the answer is four or how they op- their opinion, the answer is four, you have value because God created you in his image and likeness. You have intrinsic value with innate worth. So now when you go to the same courtroom and you say, hey, your honor, <coughs> the rapist raped this woman and she's terrified. Now we can look and go, hey, since you degraded this woman since she's born in the image of God and has intrinsic value, innate worth, and you attack that, you are absolutely evil for what you did, or if you're absolutely wrong. You should not have done that. That's the only way this valued system works. In fact, the same argument was used in the Nuremberg trials back in World War II. The Nazis were standing, and it was the UN that got over there, Nuremberg, Germany and said what you nazis did of gassing millions of jews was horrifically evil and then um then the attorney supporting the defendant defendant being the nazis stood up and said how can you guys come over here and attack us we're just following orders how dare you come to our country to our way of life and tell us we're wrong for gassing jews again we were just following orders who are you to judge and it shut down the trials. It wasn't until the American attorney stood up and said, No, there is a law above the law of man that determines right and wrong and determines what you did was evil. Martin Luther King Jr. did the exact same thing to segregationists. He wrote from a prison cell in Birmingham, Alabama to the to those preachers who were claiming to be Christians. Claiming, big, big word here, that's a defining word. That what they were doing supporting segregation was absolutely evil because it denigrated the, the people who had an intrinsic value and innate worth who were part of the black community. But if there is no God, then it doesn't matter. Life's a crapshoot. You messed up, kid. You got the wrong deck of cards. Tough luck. So that's when I listen to these universities and they're trying to debate back and forth about what value is. I can create my own value. I create this and I have this and I'm going great. But you're supposed to be powering intellects with these masters and doctoral degrees. Yet you guys are morons when it comes down to understanding the fundamentals of morality. It's like listening to Christopher Hitchens debate Dr. Frank Turk on stage about the late Christopher Hitchens. When he was like, "What well, I determine my morality, and I can look at this, stuff, and mean attacks the church about it. And I mean, I got other stuff about the church I'm not really happy about at all. I'm not saying that I'm a strong Christian who is um, is like, oh my gosh, the church is without blame. I'll get on them as well. There's plenty of stuff to go r- r- ranting on about there, but I believe that's probably best for another episode but when I look over at them and, they, and they're defending this like Richard Dawkins defending about how we as a, we evolved and we should do this and that and we evolved to be better and that's, that's what's detaining us but with, if there is no God everything is permissible rape is permissible murder is permissible child M- molestation is uh, permissible ha- um, uh, A husband or wife abu- abusing a spouse is permissible all of it's permissible you may disagree with it strongly but that is your subjective opinion this is why we need god that's why we need jesus i always look at these things and think to myself whenever i see these incidences i think to myself how far we have walked away from jesus how far have we walked our own government away from jesus christ How far have we walked away in our own households away from Jesus Christ? How far have we walked away in our personal lives from Jesus Christ? You know, it's interesting when I brought this up and I said, why don't we all just do what Jesus Christ taught us? And I got so much flack for it, I had to break it down as simple as I possibly can. Jesus Christ taught us one thing, in particular. If you don't remember anything, it's this. First, recognize you're a sinner. Turn away from your sins and trust in Him. But then He also said, you are to love your good, love thy God, God Himself, Elohim, um, Elohim, Yahweh, Emmanuel. Love God with all your heart, mind, body, and strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. Could be your next door neighbor, could be anyone you run across during the day. You then, my, my personal favorites is how how do we love somebody? How do we show that to our enemies? Well, love, pray for those who persecute you. Love your enemies. If they're hungry, give them food. If they're thirsty, give them water. Need shelter, put roof over their head. I keep thinking to myself, what if in our own lives, in our own households, in our own government, if we chose to follow Jesus Christ, how would our society look? And it makes me always question, but then I answer my own question. Why doesn't mankind want to come to Jesus? I've quoted this scripture to you guys multiple times, but I'm going to say it again because I memorized it. John three sixteen, I believe it goes. John three no, six 17, 18 around no three eighteen, all sixteen through eighteen, I believe. For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son, our only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through Him. He who is believed does not stand condemned. That he who has not believed stands condemned already for they have not believed in the only name and the name of the only begotten Son of God this is the final verdict light is come into the world but mankind loved the darkness instead of the light because their deeds were evil those who these are evil do not come to the light for less the light reveal who they truly are but those who do good come to the light that when the light shows on, shines on them their deeds can be exposed and show that they did it in the name of the, you know, God. I paraphrase the last part a little bit. Mankind chooses continuously to define its own morality, choose subjectiveness because we feel better about ourselves to determine uh, good and evil, determine life and death, to determine who lives, who dies, determine all these things. And at the same time, we're screaming out about moral systems and trying to do it, trying to be God. We're trying to be God. You know, we scream out when God, the... God acts like God, but then we are angry because we, because we say it's justified when we act like God, but when God acts like God, we get all offended. So when I see these college campuses, when they're teaching about morality, teaching about how it's all subjectiveness and uh, who's right, who's wrong, i bring Jesus to the debate. I'd sit down and point out how wrong they are. I know as soon as I bring Jesus, the devil inside all of us will come out. The devil inside those who have not succumbed to Jesus Christ, but live in the world, will come out. It will attack with ferocity the dragon or bear. I think dragons are cool. That's why I said it. You probably encountered that yourself. And if you haven't, you will. If you preach the Word of God. So something to think about. So that is what I'm talking about, about subjective morality versus objective morality. So until we meet again, may God richly bless you all, my dearly beloved.